Welcome to the original Sports Talk ATL podcast, like it was always supposed to be. I'm joined by Alex Lord and Jake Gordon at Can't Guard Jake on Twitter and at Go Sports Talk on Twitter. Guys, we had the NFL draft this past weekend. And surprisingly, from most, you know, draft experts, the Falcons turned out pretty well. All I've been seeing is A's across the board, even some A pluses, and, and at the worst, like a B. B minus. Um, so I guess I just wanted to start off with what are your initial thoughts on the Falcons 2022 draft class? Jake, I want to start with you. Uh, I think it's good. Uh, I think they got some foundational pieces there. I'm definitely not as high on it as the national media is, which is funny. It's usually the other way around. Um, but I mean, I, I, everybody's freaking out about the Desmond Ritter pick. That's great value for the third round. Jalen Mayfield was a third round pick and half the fan base wants to cut him already. Um, if Desmond Ritter's not the guy, you can still grab a quarterback. You didn't really waste a super premium pick. Uh, and I like, uh, I really like Arnold Ebiketti. Uh, I like Drake London. Um, and I really like D'Angelo Malone. I think they got some solid pieces going forward. They prioritize the pass rush and that's what matters. Yeah, I think, um, I thought about this <clears throat> today. I actually just did a piece on it that, you know, Terry Fontenot was really outspoken about. You know, they were going to be BPA, best player available uh, at every position. Uh, it just so happens that they filled the roster's biggest needs. I mean, coming into the weekend, uh, last weekend, we know we needed receivers, uh, pass rush, and then a long-term answer at quarterback. And they got every single one. Uh, and I went through to kind of see who was left on the board after uh, the Falcons made those selections. And it really gives a toss-up between, you know, who who was the best player available at each particular pick. And I think you could make an argument outside of the – even with the Drake London pick that the Falcons actually did take the best player available at every single selection, at least their first five. Uh, and it just so happens that they double-dipped at edge rusher, got a quarterback of the future, and Drake London – uh, and if you don't believe me, I mean, they drafted Troy Anderson, an off-ball linebacker, with their uh, second, second-round pick. I mean, that's just a position we don't even need. I mean, you got Deion Jones still under contract. Uh, they just signed Rashawn Evans. Uh, Michael Walker's good depth. Uh, Troy Anderson's going to be hard-pressed to get into this starting lineup. So that right there should tell you that they were taking the best player available. Uh, I would argue yeah, that Drake London wouldn't be that pick. Uh, Jamison Williams is still, in my eyes, the best receiver in this class. I think he'll show everybody that in a few years. But I'm still, I'm still happy with the Drake London pick uh, because the Falcons needed it. Uh, I think Kyle Hamilton may have been the right pick as well, uh, but I digress. But I mean, he fell all the way to 14. Um, of course, the Ravens get him because um, the Ravens always take the best player available and. He was pretty clearly the best player available at that point. But, yeah, I mean, him falling to 14, Jermaine Johnson falling to 26. I mean, I think those are the two guys on Falcons fans' radars with that first pick. I think that tells you all you need to know about, you know, whether the Falcons took the best player available. In their mind, Drake London was the best wide receiver. Then you see, what, four wider, three or four wide receivers go right after him. I agree with you. I think Jamison Williams would have been my uh, – number one wide receiver, and then I think I probably would have had Garrett Wilson. But if they think Drake London's the best of the bunch, and, and he obviously fits their scheme uh, the best of the bunch, um, I have no no you know reservations about that, and, and you're going to have to trust them. Uh, I, I like the the Penn State pick. They, grab, they trade up to get their guy. 
Uh, Troy Anderson, um, you mentioned Deion Jones. I, I think Deion Jones is going to be traded before the start of the season. I would be shocked if he's uh, still on the roster. I, they, I don't think they're going to get anything of, of value. I just don't think he's going to be on the roster. Uh, there was a, even, a, I think someone tweeted about when talking about the linebacker room, Arthur Smith didn't even mention Deion Jones. Um, so I, I think they're trying to move him. I think Troy Anderson will be cons- uh, competing for uh, playing time. Maybe it's just like a third linebacker. And he's first team all neck. I mean, that thing is amazing. I love watching. I mean, that that is a great neck on the kid, which is all that really matters. I need to get him in a neck roll. We'll really be working with something there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I was watching some tape of Trey Anderson or just some videos on Twitter. And there's a one where like this wide receiver, he's probably like 5'8", 175 pounds, catches the ball like 25 yards past him, and he just runs them down like it's nobody's business within like a matter of seconds. The guy's a freak athlete. He's bailing hail out in Montana. He probably didn't even play with pads on until he was in college. So I'm excited. <laughs> I mean, this is just this is just facts. I mean, that's what that's what they do out there. Uh, they don't like they don't play. They play seven on seven football because they don't have enough players. Uh, Desmond Ritter, I thought coming away with a quarterback was a must. Um, I'm a bit surprised. I'm I'm shocked at how far Malik Willis fell. Uh, but I think Ritter's a guy that, you know, the Falcons have kind of been linked to forever. So the fact that they were able to get him in the third round, love that. I think they needed to get a quarterback. They need to take a shot on one of these guys and at least see if they can be anything. Um, don't really know anything about D'Angelo Malone, so I'm not going to act like I do. I watched Algier from BYU. That guy's a fucking beast. I'm telling you, that guy's going to be good. Like he, he is a, like, I, I really think he's going to fit in well into this offense. Um, Justin Schaefer as six round pick Fitzpatrick, six round pick Georgia players suck. We already know that. Um, so I don't <laughs> believe, I don't believe any of the players, either of those guys will be any good. No, but I thought overall, I thought it was a pretty good draft. Um, I think a lot, I think that there was a lot of fuss after round one, um, with Drake London, but the thing about it was the first seven picks that went in front of London, I loved all of those guys. And if they had fell to eight, I would have obviously wanted the Falcons to take them. But those were the seventh best players in the draft, and they all went in front of them. And then Drake London, that was their guy. So I, I like I like I, I was upset because I was like, oh, I wanted one of those seven guys, but then you realize they're all gone. So uh not 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 too upset with it. And I loved all the day two picks. And then if you hit on one of those day threes, that's just icing on the cake. So I thought overall pretty, pretty, pretty good draft. Yeah, I think it's pretty clear at this point that Anderson and Ritter are probably going to define this class. Um, obviously, Drake London being a first-round pick, but Troy Anderson, there was a lot of talent on the board when they picked him. Um, and Ritter, obviously, you just take a swing on quarterback. I think that's going to define it. The most, the weirdest pick, at least I thought, was Justin Schaefer when Jamari Salyer was still on the board because Schaefer's not really a scheme fit, and Stetter is a lot better than he is, to be honest. Um, and then the Salyer goes a couple picks later to the Chargers. That one was interesting to me. I don't know. I guess we'll see. Schaefer is nowhere near Rita to dethrone even Jalen Mayfield at that left guard spot. And, and Salyer could have been your next Matt Gano playing, uh, playing a little tackle, playing a little guard. So we'll see. I don't know. It's hard for me to imagine that there's that there's any player in college football that's nowhere near dethroning Jalen Mayfield because that seems like you'd be near surprised. could do that. You would be surprised. Yeah. No, I mean, obviously you have a six round pick. You don't like people are like, oh, that's competition. I I don't really see that as competition, even for Jalen Mayfield. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think the the one takeaway that I mean, I guess there there is something to be said. The Falcons haven't drafted terrifically in the offensive line outside of like the first round. And even then, it's kind of been sketchy when you look at guys like Caleb McGarry. And it's hard to get guys in there that just start from day one on the offensive line. 
Um, I'd probably rather fill those positions in free agency. But yeah, they're pretty much running it back with this offensive line group, which was probably the worst in football outside of maybe like Miami. Um, so that's that's the one aspect on this team. Because other than that, like I think they have a, a roster worth. Like if you if you put a competent offensive line out there with the pieces they have on offense, like even Marcus Mariota, like I think they could win like seven games. But it, like if that offensive line can't block anybody, like this is going to be just an absolute shit show. If it's the same, if it's the same results from the offensive line. Yeah, I saw uh, John Fick or John Furk uh, from six eighty say something about how you know just bashing the Drake London pick for that exact reason, you know, the offensive line needs um, attention. And I I do agree, but you said it earlier, Evan Neal, Iki Akanu, uh, these guys are all gone. Uh, There there, there was nobody on the board at that pick that the Falcons could have taken and been okay with. Charles Cross was there, but where are you going to put Charles Cross? I mean, you don't select that kind of guy. And then be like, oh, well, you know, we have Jake Matthews at left tackle, you know, kick inside or, you know, let's try you out on the right side. Uh, It's not that simple unless, you know, you have a guy like Evan Neal who has played left tackle, right tackle, left guard. Uh, It's very difficult for these guys who played left tackle all their careers in college just to, you know, kick over to the right side. It's not impossible, uh, but, you know, the front office has to be more than confident in their ability to uh, coach this guy up on the right side. So the Charles Cross debate, uh, I've only really ever seen that guy talk about it because it is ridiculous to say. Uh, you can't you can't take a guy like that and then just assume he's going to be okay at right tackle. So I think that you nailed it right there. They're going to run it back. It's going to be shit this year again. Jalen Mayfield, is even if he progresses, you know, he takes a massive step forward. He'll only yeah, just he be below sucks. average at that point. Like he'll still not be good. Uh, even if Matt Hennessy takes another step forward, he's still not that good. Caleb McGarry has already shown us. I mean, he just had his fifth year option uh, decline. That he's not that guy. So I think you nailed it right there. I think they come in next off season and get two new starters on the offensive line with that, uh, with all that free agent money they have. Uh, but the pieces are there to win. It's ridiculous to say the pieces are there to win seven games, which is a total failure. But yeah, they're going to be right. Out, they're going to be right out of the uh, competition for all the elite I, athletes next year. I want to say one thing about John Fick because he also is bitching about the draft uh, because we didn't take players that you know market the team better. Like, shut the fuck up. Like, that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Like. Oh, like we're gonna we're gonna draft players that bring fans in. Like, what the hell is this? Uh, Semi pro? Like, <laughs> no, we're gonna draft fucking players to help us win a game and build a culture. You start winning, that'll bring fans in. Nobody, like, listen, Nakobe Dean might bring in fans for one game. You go out there and lose fucking fifteen games. Nakobe Dean ain't bringing no damn fans in the city. I mean, what a stupid thing to say. Even so, outside guys, of the winning, I thing, don't understand that argument, man. Even outside of the winning thing, this isn't like it's you know us trying to market the Falcons. This is Arthur Blank, one of those the most successful businessmen in America, uh, marketing yeah, this I, team. I, He's I, like, making. I, I was beyond, like, befuddled. I mean, it is just such a stupid idea to say. I mean, I, I was just like – but, I mean, there's so many guys on, on Atlanta radio that are so lost with how, like, sports actually work. They're just on there because they're able to talk without, like, tripping over their feet. 
That's the only reason they're on the radio. They have no idea what they're talking about. Um, and he's one of those guys. So I hope he's listening. I bet he will be. And I, I, I'll tell him this right now. Arthur Blank, Arthur, Arthur Blank may be an idiot, uh, you know, building a team wise or, you know, making these decisions. But the dude isn't struggling to make business decisions. I mean, he's not struggling to, you know, maybe uh, he's probably still raking from PSL. You know, Arthur, you know, Arthur Blank owns like the PGA Superstore. I didn't know that. I didn't, I didn't know that. Like, so I like I'm like joining Country Club. And one of the sponsors for me, like, is like the vice president of the PGA Superstore, and like he's like, oh yeah, Arthur Blank, like he owns all that. And I was like, wait, what? I did not know that. And it's like, so yeah, so the guy's just raking in cash. He's also a member of like 20 country clubs, which isn't surprising. He's like worth billions of dollars. But I'm like, what a boss. Like, he's like, yeah, he owns the most land in Montana. I'm like, what? yeah, well, I, yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. What? Arthur, Arthur Blank is a he, gangster. Bro. Do you think Arthur Blank probably, just bought Troy Anderson's uh, family's property? That's what I'm saying. And I mean, so Arthur, Blank, <laughs> Arthur Blank probably, like, it's ridiculous. He, he like owns a club, like a golf club in Miami or not Miami, Montana. Damn, dude. You I think to, you Troy Anderson might be his estranged son. Troy Anderson might be Arthur Blank's estranged son. Yeah, let's we'll cover that. But I, one thing I want to ask and, and just just directly at you guys, and it's specifically about Desmond Ritter is do you like let's put a percentage on it. What is the percentage that Desmond Ritter is the next franchise quarterback of the Falcons? Ooh, you Whoever go first, wants Alex. to go first. I don't know. You go first, Alex. Let, let me think. I, I mean, probably less than 50% because I actually, when they, when it seems like when this organization, the new regime <clears throat> selects a guy, even if they're wrong, they're, they're going to stick it out at least and be wrong through the rookie contract. I think that's what's going to happen with Jalen Mayfield. No, let's hope. Let's hope that's not the case. But if I think Desmond that, Ritter comes out here and sucks. We better get a quarterback next year. I think that they're going to at least stick it with him. And I, I, actually, I'll go over fifty percent. We'll, we'll, we'll go right under sixty percent, just because he is one of the most pro ready in this class. And then he's also going to sit for at least one year. Also, let's talk about the quarterback competition this summer. I mean, I can't even believe people are saying Ritter is going to come out of this to start. Well, that was I mean, my next question. And, that's and, and ridiculous. Wait, wait, wait. Don't, don't talk about don't talk about that yet because I want to ask that next. Okay, uh, I'll, I'll go so about sixty percentage. Sixty percent that he's in. That. What about you, Jake? Because Arthur Smith's offense um, is friendly and all that junk. Did we lose him? Uh, give me, give me some. Pro- oh. Alex, oh no, no you, you, no, you're good. You now. franchise. Good. When you say franchise quarterback, give me some parameters here. Are we talking like pro bowler, or are we saying like somebody? No, 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 no. I, I'm saying he's like the years. guy. Like he's he is our starting quarterback. You know, for you know five six years at least. Like that's like he and like he's not like yeah like he's not trash, but he's like a good a solid enough a stable enough starter. Like a competitive say, starter, okay. a competitive yeah. starter, 60, like 60 Alex, to Smith. Alex Smith, 60 to 65%. 60 to 65%. I think he's a good kid. I'll go, uh, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, definitely... I'll go 40%. Yeah. I, 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 reg- <laughs> I retract my 60%. I'm going to be pessimistic. I don't even know why I was trying to be optimistic. I, I, I think it's probably like 30%. Because first of all, it's difficult to just find quarterbacks in general, let alone yeah. your first I mean, try at, after the, shipping off the greatest quarterback the in hit, franchise the history. 
The history of third round quarterbacks. The hit rate is on dog the third shit. round, yeah. It's but this draft dog is also shit. really like, weird. I mean, you're, I mean, you're talking about like a one for twenty, and like the last th- like Russell Russell Wilson's like the only one I can think of. But um, none of those so, guys were the second quarterbacks taken in their draft. Is the only thing those guys were like six or seventh usually. Well, here's here's my second question, and it could be by injury. It, it could be by Marcus Mariota's lack of playing. It could be by Desmond Ritter at eventually over time, you know, really impressing the coaching staff throughout this first year. What are the odds we see him starting at any point this season? Zero. I say it's high. I'm going to say the odds. Zero. If if history tells us anything, Marcus Mariota is going to get hurt behind this line. I'll say I'll say fifty one because I think there is definitely a chance of Marcus Mariota being injured. Two, I think they have to see, and we think Desmond Ritter is, is somewhat pro ready compared to the other prospects. I think the Falcons have to see what they have in this guy, particularly if things go off the deep end. If the wagons fall off early and we're one in seven, you know people are going to want to see this guy. And at the end of the day, the Falcons need like it's not a first round pick where the Falcons like oh, we can't throw him into the fire to whack up his confidence. You know, one, this guy is confident. Two, if he fucking sucks, you can just cut ties with him. So I, and I think if you're one in seven and you're going into a draft where there's so many talented quarterbacks, I think you have to see what you have in Desmond Ritter. Because I do think you have a guy like Will Anderson who is worth a number one overall pick without a doubt. But, but you can only do that if you have, know what you have in Desmond Ritter. Because otherwise, you got to take Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or whoever the quarterback's available to you. So I do think if the if the wheels fall off of this thing early and you're one and eight, like you're gonna have to throw Desmond Ritter in there. I think you have to do it. It, it just I don't see any way that he's not starting if you go start the season one and eight or something like that. Okay. Here's the thing. I think, if I think gonna, Marcus Mariota is gonna be decent if healthy. I yeah, do think I, so, and I think that's big... that's why I said it's fifty. But like, if you are one and eight, I think you have to see what you have. I think the big thing is you should have left injury off the table because, you know, that's such a toss-up. I mean, sure, he could get hurt, and then at that point, of course, Ritter's going to get some it. playing time. He has a history yeah, of it. Yeah, let's just do it based on, you know, him either earning it or the Falcons being forced to do it in terms of, you know, they got to see what they have in them instead of injury. Because they, that he starts at some point. Yeah, yeah, I would go forty. I still think I still think there's a good chance the Falcons could suck, and you have to see what you have at, at least at some point, even if it's the last five games. Yeah, I could see the schedule's it being, brutal too. If if yeah. the Falcons are you know five or six games under five hundred with you know three or four weeks left to play, that's the scenario I could see where they're you know just evaluate they're in evaluating the roster. That's just all they're doing. Um, and to your point. <clears throat> They have to because next year's class is just loaded. It's not just Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. I mean, it's loaded. Uh, like the fifth best quarterback in uh, last year's class. I think the over-under for first-round quarterbacks next year is like six and a half. So there's definitely better quarterbacks in next year's draft. And the only <laughs> the only way you're going to be comfortable drafting one of those guys is if you do know what you have in Ritter. But he's not going to beat Mariota out in camp. I mean, this guy, Marcus Mariota is no. a vet. He's an eight-year vet. You know, he knows exactly what Arthur Smith wants. He's not going to turn the ball over. Uh, you know, he's a smart, he's a good leader. He's going to show Desmond Ritter the ropes. 
Uh, he's actually the perfect stopgap quarterback for this situation, if we're being honest. Um, but Ritter just doesn't have what it takes right now to be the starter. And the only scenario I could see where he gets a single start other than injury is if the Falcons are, you know, in the conversation for, you know, a top 10 pick again, and they just are in evaluation mode and they say, you know, Ritter, let's see what you got. But still again, I mean, this coaching staff is so stubborn. They're going to try and win every single game. We spoke about it last year. I wrote articles about it. I was like, all right, is it time to start playing the younger guys? Is it start to let's play Richie Grant some more? Let's, you know, Adi Deji. Like, let's start playing these guys more. And they didn't. So I wouldn't be so sure that they will do that. I, I think that they're going to try and win every single game I no matter what. I think it's different what. with a quarterback, though. I think it's different with a quarterback. Uh, yeah. Especially the scenario, like the franchise-altering aspect of like taking a quarterback next year and like seeing if Ritter's the guy. I think it's different in that. But but I do agree. They, they are going to try to win every game, especially early. Um, yeah, so what – Jake, I know you just did an article on this, so I'll let you speak on this first. Um the undrafted free agents of this class. Uh, what are some guys you're looking at that you like? Uh, well, Alex, actually, I'll start with you. Alex, what about this guy from Maryland? Best lacrosse player in the country. Goes to Ferris State, a D3 team. Leads them to, a, I think, a national championship. And uh, is now an undrafted free agent for the Falcons. Tell us a little about this guy. Yeah, so this guy's name is Jared Bernhardt. He had D1 scholarships coming out of high school. He was a star option quarterback in high school. So, you know, his arm isn't great, but he's uber athletic. Yeah. Uh, and he decided to go to Maryland and play lacrosse. He went on to – he's considered by many. I have a friend uh, in the Maryland lacrosse program, and he says, Jared, you know, Jared's basically a god there. He can walk in the locker room, do whatever he wants, you know, get away with everything. He's pretty much considered the best player in program history. Uh, he won the Heisman of college lacrosse. It's called the Twarton. Um, he was a two-time finalist and won it one year. Uh, he won a national championship. Uh, he still holds records at Maryland for most points and most uh, goals. Points is goals and assists, uh, for those who don't know. Um, and then <laughs> because of COVID, he had five years instead of four years. So he spent four years at Maryland. And then his decision, instead of coming back to Maryland and potentially winning another national championship, which they very well could have, their best player decides to go to a no-name D2 school to play quarterback, and he ends up winning the D2 national title. I mean, the guy ran for like 25 touchdowns, passed for another 10, uh, rushed and passed for like 3,000 yards. Um, I just love the story. I'm so surprised that Bill Belichick didn't pick this guy up. I mean, this is his like cream of the crop, undrafted free agent, comes in here, makes the roster on special teams, turns out to be a wicked slot receiver. I mean, it, it was all lined up. And if you haven't heard of Chris Hogan, which, I mean, if you've lived under a rock from 2016 to 2018, then I get it. But if you watch Patriots football during that period, you know exactly who Chris Hogan is. I mean, <laughs> announcers, TV announcers literally wouldn't stop talking about this guy playing lacrosse at uh, Penn State. And Bernhard could have a similar um, – effect on the Falcons fan base where it's a cultish following. He's already got my heart. I love this guy just because of the lacrosse background. Um, but basically this guy is a receiver returner. He's the only way he makes the roster is through special teams, uh, you know, which is the case for most undrafted free agents. Um, 
but he still has, uh, you know, abilities in lacrosse that transfer over to football. So he was an attackman, which is just the the offensive guy in lacrosse. Um, and he had the speed and agility to get past initial defenders, um, which shows in football. But he also has the vision to distribute the ball to his other teammates, both of which are extremely important in football. I don't know how likely this guy is to make the team. He is obviously a grinder. He would make Gruden's grinder list for sure. Uh, he He's clearly, you know, a heart guy. You know, it's all about heart for this kind of guy. I just hope he makes the team. I mean, if he makes the team, I might buy a jersey. I might buy, <laughs> I might buy a uh, Jared Bernhardt jersey. But uh, that's that's my guy. That's my undrafted free agent for this year. I'm going to stick with him. I might stick with him wherever he goes in the NFL. I just hope he succeeds. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I don't know shit about any of these undrafted free agents. So, Jake, tell me about uh, the few of the guys that you have your eye on going into training camp. I'll let you talk about Dare Rosenthal, former LSU guy. I actually really like him a lot. Uh, but we got Tyler Vrabel out of Boston College, son of Mike Vrabel. I like to think that he just – picked Arthur in the divorce, I guess. And um, <laughs> that, I, is, he, that is hilarious. I had him in a few mocks. He drafts. said, hang I, on, I before know. you say this, Mike Vrabel literally said, he was like, I'm not scouting him. I'm like, we're not selecting him no matter what. <laughs> what a dick. <laughs> Ice dude. cold. Ice cold. Um, but I, I actually had Vrabel in a few mock drafts. I think he could be a solid developmental right tackle. And when you talk about replacing Caleb McGarry, if he can really develop this season on the practice squad or either – you know, just on the roster, I think he'd make a fantastic replacement or at least, you know, a solid depth of swing tackle. Uh, I think he has a really, really good chance of making the roster. I thought he was going to get drafted for sure. Uh, and he's a coach's son. You know, he's real cerebral. First guy in, uh, last guy out type of thing. Uh, and then uh, my favorite guy so far through the process, Nate Landman, uh, my buddy who worked on staff at Colorado, uh, specifically told me to get excited about this guy. Apparently, uh He's, uh, he's from Uganda. He has a massive, like, Africa tattoo on his arm. Uh, he wears a cowboy collar, and apparently the dude just tackles. That's all he does. Just absolutely cleans people up. And uh, he's probably going to be a special teams warrior early on, but the Falcons really don't have many of those, like, thumping inside linebackers. And so I like his chances to make the roster, especially you talk about if Deion Jones gets traded. Um, I think it's actually a pretty high chance he makes the cut. Yeah, he also follows us on Twitter. So, yeah, that, that's always the Sports Talk ATL boost is real. So, you give us a we'll follow on, on Twitter. I mean, ask Michael Walker, bro. Oh, he follows us, gets like a pick six the next week. You know, <laughs> it, it's all, it's basically us doing this justice. So, we've got a little pool around the league. We tell quarterbacks to throw picks. So, Landon, you want a couple picks? Follow, 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 the, follow the account he did. He's obviously going to, he's a no brainer, going to make the roster. All right, let's switch gears here. We talked enough about the draft. We're going to talk some Hawks offseason on the next, on a, on a future podcast, because we got all offseason to do this. Let's talk some Braves. Uh, last night, uh, well, it depends when this, this podcast will be uploaded. We have a doubleheader today, um, so y'all probably be listening to it after that. So hopefully the Braves have a couple more wins. But last night, huge win over the Mets. Um, I don't want to sit here in May talking about must wins, but... I look at the Mets roster, and they're the first roster I've looked at in about four or five years that I've said, okay, this team can compete with the Braves over 162 games. So following following seven, eight, nine games back, I know it's May. That's going to be a tough hole to dig out of. So that, that win last night, 
and I, and I got to tell you guys, Max fucking freed. When you need a game with my life on the line, I don't know if I'm putting anyone else out there. I mean, dude, the guy just has balls of steel. I think he's pitching better than he's ever pitched in his life. I mean, I, I've never seen his slider work the way it has. I, he can go to any pitch right now at any time, and he's never been able to do that. Like, it's always been fastball, curveball. Now, oh, now his slider's getting a little bit better, mixing a change up here. Now it's fastball, slider, cutter, change up, whenever, curveball. I mean, I, don't, I haven't looked at his baseball savant. I bet his curveball is not even in his top two pitches anymore. Yeah, Max guy, Freed. Let me say this. Max Freed is a bulldog. He's like that boxer that is shit for the first round until he gets punched in the face. And then he's like, all right, it's go time. It's like he's we saw actually it in the world a, a series. terrible first round, a first inning pitcher. Like notoriously, like, he's, yeah, he gives he, up like a run in the first, and then it's yeah. like, all right, get, fuck you. It's it's all yeah. He's like, it's gets like he, the bases, he woke up the beast. He gets the bases loaded and then gets out of it. And he's like, all right, let's go. Or gets his ankle stepped on at first base. And he's like, all right, let's fucking go. He is seriously that boxer that he's like Rocky. He needs to get, he needs some punishment before he starts doling out the punishment. And this is why I'm going to tell you before I let you hop in, Jake. This is why the Braves aren't in any trouble. I know they're five games back. This rotation might be the best in baseball. I know they haven't shown it this whole season. This rotation might be the best in baseball. Max Freed is one of the best pitchers in baseball right now. Kyle Wright is legit. Charlie Morton will be back. Like, he started off rough, but we know what Charlie Morton is. Ian Anderson, that's your number four? Show me a number four better than Ian Anderson. Is there one out there? I don't think there is. And if Spencer Strider keeps pitching like this, that's the best rotation in baseball. It is. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not concerned about the Braves, man. They weren't over. I keep telling people they weren't over 500 until August last year. Like, what am I, what am I worried about? But that's not happening. The trade again. Deadline. I'll tell no. you right now that no. that's not happening again. The, the Braves are a couple weeks away from being five or six games over 500. It's just a matter of time before they start string. I mean, they can't hit a damn ball worth of shit, and their their rotation ERA is close to five, or it was close Ronald, to five entering last night. Ronald, Ronald has barely even played. Starter. He's a notorious slow starter. He always has been, hurt or not hurt. I'm just not worried, man. Like, uh, I I know the team's going to be fine. It just pisses me off to watch them when they play like this. I'm a little worried. I'm a little worried about Duvall. You know, Acuna, uh, sure. You know, we know what he can do. We know what he will do. Uh, he'll get close to 40 and 40 in a full over a full 162 games and probably he'll eclipse it. But Duvall's a little uh, sketchy, don't you think? I think bet, the balls. Yeah. I think me and Jake talked about this, like when we did a little YouTube video the other week. Is that's the one guy we're worried about, and he's obviously continued to struggle. And the only reason I really worry about it is because over the course of long stretches, almost the course of 162 games, we've seen Adam Duvall be a very you know average or below average hitter. Um, obviously, we've seen game years where he's hit 40 home runs, like last year. But uh, if he's not hitting the long ball and he's not making solid contact, he strikes out way too much. He's not an average hitter. You know, you have a problem there. And that's why I do think, I think because of Duvall's struggles, Eddie Rosario's injuries, you know, Acuna still getting into this. I do think Alex Anthopoulos is out there looking for just another outfield piece. Not, not, nothing crazy. Um, but I do think he's probably out there looking for another outfield piece because 
I think adding another left-handed bat into the onto this team is important. Um, I don't know how much longer Travis Demerit is going to be up here playing like he has been. He's been a great story so far, but this guy's a career 200 hitter over you know his 60 games in the MLB. So I don't know how long that's going to last. So I do think uh, with the weight of all struggling. Um, they definitely have to be considering adding another outfielder. That's the one, the one person. I'm not worried about Dansby. I mean, you've seen, God, people want to send Dansby to AAA after a month, and now he's like, <laughs> now he's the second best hitter on the team. It, it really is unbelievable that I have to explain this every year. But every year, well, I mean, every year I have to like scream at people and call them idiots just for that. And then they're like, dude, you just don't get it. And I'm like, bro, no, you don't get it. You don't get it. I've been watching this team every game for five years, and if you say you do the same then you're just an idiot because I don't know what to tell you. He does this every year. Braves fans are like goldfish sometimes, man. I swear to God. <laughs> it's, it's like I had, to say it, I had to say it last year when we got swept by the Phillies. I'm like, y'all know the last time we got swept by the Phillies in an opening series, we won the division, right? Like, calm down. By like 10 games. Like, not <laughs> like, it wasn't like, it wasn't like we squeaked it out by the skin. I mean, we won the division the last four years by five plus games every year. Like, it's going to be fine. Yeah, I think I, I I do love the Twitter interactions that you get because you do watch every single game. I won't even pretend to watch every single game. I can't watch every single one of these fucking games. It, it, it's painful. I mean, maybe shorten it to seven innings and then you, you might have my attention, but it's too damn long. But no, still, see, like I, I do I, I do love the night. Twitter interactions because – I'll even admit that, you know, I'm I'm knee-jerk reaction guy. I, I, I see something, I say something. And Dansby was concerning there for a little bit. I mean, the guy was hitting, <laughs> striking out, and like 80% of his at-bats there for the first few weeks. It was it was worrisome. But just like you said, Dansby's good for one of these slumps every single year. Every single year. If he – and you said it before the season, if Dansby could just not slump – you just know, not just, hit no, not like not like not slump. Like hit two hundred. Like his slumps are like he looks like me out there. He just like <laughs> completely forgets like what baseball is. Forgets how to hit it for like a month of the season. If he could just go out there and like have a normal slump, like oh I'm hitting two hundred over the course of a month, or I'm hitting two fifteen. No, he's like I'm gonna hit one forty with forty five strikeouts. Me and my roommates were talking about this the other day. Uh, we were just bashing Dansby, and I just have to interject and say this. But Dansby seems like the type of guy to come home from work, sit down with his wife at the kitchen table or at the designated room that they have. They built this room in their house for this specific <laughs> this specific situation where they go down every single day and talk about every single thing that, that happened that day. They, Dansby sits down, he's got a list, and he goes, this is exactly what happened me you know the guys try to take freddie's locker i wasn't having any of that i struck out six times you know maybe we'll get back i just i, I like dansby on the field but the type of person dansby is he's just not my cup of tea he's a tight ass yeah i mean yeah you basically just i was about to say you basically just say yeah you might as well just said you hate the guy before you even said that he's not your cup of tea you might as well just said you just you just made him sound like such a dweeb. I, I he is a dweeb, that, dude. I I highly doubt that's what it's like. Is the Freddie thing was weird. Um, it is funny because we talk about overreactions and like things that I tweet. Like, I'm the first guy to like calm everyone down about like, you know, hey, stop overreacting, stop overreacting. But I tweet like one joke out, like, yeah, glad Matt Matt Olson didn't have to swing. It's like, bro, he'll be fine. I'm like, bro, I know he's gonna be fine. Like, it's a fucking <laughs> joke. Relax, guys. Like, like I tweeted out yesterday, like. 
Austin Riley is the only player on this team worth a damn. And I got like 30 responses of people like, what about Max Freed? Like, what about Travis Darnold? I'm like, relax. It wasn't that serious. Darnold's hitting like a silver slugger, baby. And that's one thing we can talk about. Uh, talk about the catcher position. I'm going to do an article on it today. But the catcher position last year for the Braves, because Darnold missed pretty much the whole season, Alex Jackson was awful. And they were living on Steven Vogt and Kevon Smith for most of the season. And even when Darnold was out there, he was a shell of himself. Negative uh, 0.6 F4 was what the catcher position was worth for the Braves last year. It's already at one this year. It's already at one F4. So I knew that was going to be a big uh, place for upgrade with Darnold, Manny Pena, and even William Contreras. I mean, William Contreras hit two bombs the other day. He's going to be a piece of this team. I don't know where he's going to slide in, but 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 he's going to be a piece of this team this whole season. Catcher position is a huge uh, upgrade for the Braves this season. I think over 162 games, you're going to c- continue to see that. Yeah, I yeah, was, I think it's really. Oh, go ahead. I was uh, arguing with some people the other day about how uh, Darno. The last time we saw Darno, he was a silver slugger. You know, the last time we really saw Darno, he was a silver slugger, and everybody was talking about Rosario coming back and, um, you know, Ronnie coming back. And those are, you know, valid arguments that those were going to be the guys that led us. And I kept like telling people that, you know, if Darno can regain, regain that form, I mean, he'll be the biggest piece of this team because of that defense behind the plate. I mean, we were fucking God awful. I don't watch Kevon Smith go out there every single game. We could seriously count on the catcher going, you know, in any given series one for 16 or something. I mean, it, it was horrendous. Yeah, I'm pretty year. sure he hit like 100, which was about as bad as I've ever seen an MLB <laughs> player uh, pitch. Uh, one thing I do also want to talk about, how about Shea fucking Langlers? Oh, my God, dude. Uh, happy for yeah. him. Very happy yeah, for I him. Yeah, super happy for him. I mean, I, I have no – I've always said I want – I'm cheering for Pache. I'm cheering for Langlers. I'm cheering for all the guys they, they traded to the athletics. But, ooh, if there was any way – and I don't know what the discussions were like. I mean, I thought Langoliers was – I know everyone was high on Michael Harris coming into the season. I thought Langoliers was clearly the number one prospect. Um, I had him as the most untradeable prospect, the most valuable prospect, just because of his position too. I mean, the guy is, is hammering things, and he's also an elite defensive catcher. If there was any way, though, that that trade could have gotten done without Langoliers, and it, and it very well probably couldn't have or, or they would have kept on to him, you, you got to be regretting that because this guy already has nine homers in 21 games. He has 21 RBIs in 21 games in, in his first, you know, really stint in AAA. And on top of that, he's playing elite defense. His OPS is over 1,100. Uh, that guy uh, is going to be really, 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 really good. Yeah, I'm not uh, yeah. going to be that kind of person to wish people well if they're not on my team. I won't even pretend to. They could be great guys. But, yeah, he was a MLB caliber uh, def- defender. Uh, but now he's just average, and he had extreme pop when he was in Atlanta's farm, and now it's just all right. So I, I won't even pretend to, you know, I wish him well, about? but nah. What are you talking about? If you're not on the Braves, you suck, and I don't wish you well or any uh, of my. I, I was, oh, I was, because I was about to say, I'm like, I'm like, bro, this guy's way above average in about every category. Like, oh, I get what you're saying. Like, not you're, anymore. You're, just, you're not, you're not rating him as highly because he's not on the Braves. Correct. Yeah. Um. So, uh, I mean, anything else, anything else, Braves, you want to touch on? I mean, it's, it's middle of the season. There's, it's still early. Um, anything, anything. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Uh, Ozzie and Acuna or uh, Azuna, 
uh, little debacle there, uh, base running Azuna. I, I love that. I love that. I mean, Ozzy literally lives for baseball. And it, Azuna's clearly, you know, the fuck around guy in the locker room. He's a great ball player, but you could probably just guess that, you know, it's not his, you know, only priority. He's trying to have fun, you know, do all this stuff. But Ozzy, this is his life, and just a simple base running mistake set him off. I, I love to see that. You know, he's trying to take that leadership step, uh, and it's impressive. It's encouraging. Yeah, I love that out of Ozzy. Like, we, we always know Ozzy. Ozzy's the guy always having fun, always joking around. But when it comes time to win a, win a baseball game, he's like, hey, like, fucking tighten up. Like, I actually, I, I watched that video a hundred times. I think it's I think it's fantastic because we all – have this perception of Ozzy. Oh, he's just this little guy. He's always joking around, poking people and shit. And then he just snaps and he's like, hey, man, like, wake up. Like, I adore it. Love it. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I'm right there with you. I, I like him taking over that leadership role, especially when you you don't really think of him as, as a guy who's doing that because he is always, you know, having fun and joking around and stuff like that. And him and Azuna are really close. Um, so, but friendships aside, I mean, dude, you got a, a ball gets by there. You got to be ready to go. And he wasn't. Um, and, and that's, yeah. I mean, that's something that you learn in little league. It's something, it's a lot of the little things that kind of get lost in the major leagues. It's easy for these guys to, to forget those things, you know, hop off the base at third in case of, in case the ball gets passed. Uh, so, so I did like that. Yeah. It was funny that the, it was funny that the announcer, um, was saying, uh, oh, like, you can't do that to your teammate. No, you definitely fucking can't. I, I don't know why the you hell you should. You can't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why the hell you can't t- like get on your teammate for not paying attention or making a uh, simple base running error. But uh, that pretty much wraps us up for our first episode of the OG Sports Talk ATL podcast. Glad to have you guys back. This is how it always should have been. Should have never. Should have never altered it. But um, glad to be back. We got a ton of stuff to talk about this summer. We're gonna get deep into Hawks off season. Obviously, the Falcons um, offseason still uh, right in the middle of it after the draft. There's still a ton of stuff to talk about. And the Braves just ramping up. So it's going to be a great summer um, doing this with you guys. And uh, for those that are listening, um, really, really happy to have on board and hope you keep listening. Fucking God damn it.